Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we have a terrific topic, especially starting for the new year, using different management styles for different levels of originators. I'm thrilled to have a terrific expert today with me who's going to share his thought, Rob Spellman. Rob is a board member of Gold Star Mortgage Financial Group. Previous to that, he was with HomePoint, Flagstar, and IndyMac, and also Fannie Mae. Hi, Rob. Let's talk about uh, how you got into mortgage banking and talk about how you got into managing. Sure. Well, I absolutely love this conversation. And I use this a lot when I meet with mortgage bankers. It's an amazing to hear both the similarities and differences. The way I got into business sounds like a really bad bar joke. It was 1984. I was a junior at the University of Michigan. The couple of years before that, I had worked at Putt-Putt Golf and Games, and I had set out to get an internship to hopefully be able to use my economics degree that was coming down the road. And, you know, in 1984 in the Midwest, we were in a solid recession. And all I got back was a very nice, gee, we've already filled our program from Comerica. And I was all set to go back to putt-putt. And my father was at services one, one week. And after temple services at the social hour, he was talking with a urologist and a mortgage broker. And the urologist said, we just got an intern in the lab and it's awesome having someone who will do all this work and get very little pay. And the mortgage broker said, gee, we could use an intern. And my father, not missing a beat, said, Richard, I got the intern for you. And so I went and did an interview with them. And at the time, Washington Mortgage was a five-person mortgage brokerage in a basement office. And I did the interview and the president gave me an HP 12C and said, hey, can you do present value discounting? And I looked at the HP and thought, all I know about HPs is they're bass backwards. And so rather than trying to solve it on an HP, I had no idea how to use. I dutifully described what present value discounting was and somehow managed to get the job for the summer. So how did you get into managing? I was really lucky. Washington Mortgage chose to invest in me. And uh, I ended up starting the company at wholesale level. Mm-hmm. And from there, I was doing secondary marketing. And, and so they helped me get my MBA at night. And by the time I was done, I had secondary marketing, post-closing, delivery, primary uh, retail and wholesale um, uh, sales, as well as economic strategic planning underneath me. And it was a phenomenal learning environment as we grew the company to be one of Fannie Mae's top 40 customers. And so the managing side, in other words, you just kind of flew. You wanted to do that? Or was it a matter of that as you stayed longer, you were given more responsibility? I always wanted to do it. But yes, it definitely came as my skills grew and as the company needed more managers. So, Rob, what was your best advice did you receive with managing? Yeah, so the best advice I got was codified by Donna Callajan at Fannie Mae. Mm -hmm. And Donna used the line, I work with smart people and I treat them that way. And I thought that was absolutely awesome, that that's how all of us want to be treated. Mm -hmm. So we should always remember to treat everyone in the entire organization the same way. 
So I really try to look at what is the great thing that everyone's bringing to the table right. and then how we force multiply that and take that further. That's a great strategy, actually, and so true. So were you one, Rob, were, were books or what, what was uh, also inspirational for you? I've read all kinds of different business books, but the one that probably is the easiest to digest and has really paid huge dividends over the years was, is The E-Myth Revisited by Michael E. Gerber. Mm-hmm. And The E-Myth is the entrepreneurial myth. And what I love about it is it really shows the value of setting up repeatable process so that you deliver and exceed consumer expectation. And I think that very often you get thrown into the fire and you try to solve the problem. If you don't take the time to come back and realize how do we make that repeatable, then it's you're just spinning your wheels and you have to do it again and again and again. Well, that's certainly smart advice. And I can't tell you, and I know you know it yourself, is that so often that's never the case, is that it's one-off strategies and one-off, and it's just a series of them does not make a repeatable process. So looking at your long career within mortgage banking, what was your, your greatest victory and what was the greatest lesson that you learned? The greatest victories really have been in personnel development. When I have seen people who I have helped go further in their careers, exposed them to higher opportunities, seen them flourish both in my organization or elsewhere, that's clearly the thing that has has stuck with me the most. In In the things that other people would probably look at and consider, between Fannie Mae and IndyMac, I rolled out six significant mortgage products that made the market, depending on when you think about it, some people may blame me for the mortgage crisis. It's not the way I look at it, but I did expand what was available for use. So that included uh, Flex 100, Enhanced Streamlined Refinance, the Interest First family of products, FlexPay products at IndyMac, and fixed rate reverse mortgages down at Financial Freedom. And all of those really were designed to be able to solve a specific consumer need. I came into the business and rates were 16 and a half percent. And in the Midwest, they didn't know whether it was an arm or a variable. And, um, and three days into the business, I was put on the phone with the use of the big red hold button. And if you were looking for a loan, I was supposed to pre-qualify you. That's also the day my name changed from Robbie Spellman to Rob Spellman, because I didn't think Robbie should ask you how much you owe and earn. But that taught me how to be able to describe what a mortgage can do and what problems it can solve for a consumer. And so having that bent of it's got to be a solution really has driven through my entire career. Wow, that's quite an accomplishment. On the flip side, Rob, what what is your the greatest lesson? I mean, you've seen good markets, bad markets. Uh, what is your thoughts yeah. on all that? On the micromanagement of individuals, I was put in a situation where we had a long-term employee who knew exactly the level of effort and commitment she wanted to give the company. And she was a phenomenal implementer, but every way you graded her out, you wouldn't grade her anything stronger than a C. 
But if you just looked at who will make sure we implement this and keep the program running, she was a rock star at that. And I succumbed to senior management pressure to move her out of the organization. That was bad on my part that I didn't defend her value and should have stood up for her. Certainly that would hit home for sure. I mean, that that impresses your whole career. You remember them. Exactly. And at the macro level, mortgage banking has cycles. It is not a nice, easy thing you get to graph out with 4% growth, have a nice day. That comes with two different components to it. One, you have to be ruthless at times in cutting the staff. It's horrible. I would say people of my generation in mortgage banking have had to lay off 50% of their staff at least three times in their career. Right. It's horrible. It's horrible for them. It's horrible for you. But if you don't do it, your organization will fail. But you can't cost cut your way out of the problem. You must continue to invest in growth because the cycle's going to come back and revenues are king. Yes, you can pick up a few pennies, a few shekels by cost cutting. But if you're not constantly looking at how you're growing, you will die. That is really a, a, a smart comment. And I'm so glad you said that because I see it so often where it's being penny wise and pound foolish, as we like to say, in, right. in consulting land. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, good point for sure. Well, let's talk about our topic today. And this is really, I think, a wonderful topic about how you manage different levels of originators, because I think the one-size-fit-all is really a big problem within the industry. Yeah, it definitely is. And it, it manifests itself in a couple different ways. But um, And I'd love to tell you I've always implemented this perfectly, but I would be lying. It would be obvious all over my voice. <laughs> um, I had to learn these lessons along the way. Where I most often see management systems fail is when people try to put the new sales management process in and they apply it to their entire sales force. The 80-20 rule exists and it exists in most organizations. Those superstars who are accounting for the majority of your business, they have earned the right to get a different management process. The truth of the matter is, Bob needs a different answer for how to double his production than Jane. And both of them are superstars, but then you need to find what that unique situation is for them. If you try to take those two superstars and now make them do the latest version of call reporting, of a planning, of uh, game coaching, they will rail against that. And they, in turn, are going to sour those who can benefit from that process. It is okay, and in fact, it is advisable to treat your superstars as superstars and make a unique solution. Good sales management helps the C-plus to B-plus player. Those are the ones that have the chance to be coached up. If you focus that, that'll give you your biggest sense of how to get there. 
So when, Rob, when you look at that and what you're saying, so true, but I see it so rarely done. I do, especially maybe in larger organizations, because in mortgage banking, as you well know, uh, people want to scale as fast as possible. And that dovetails into treating everybody the same. What is your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, we, we have this bad habit of taking great originators and saying, congratulations, you're now a branch manager. That model doesn't work. It doesn't work because of the same reason Magic Johnson, and despite the fact I'm a U of M grad, I'm uh, Magic Johnson is a superstar. Right. Um, Magic Johnson coaching career, I think, lasted seven days because <laughs> he couldn't explain to other people what it was he knew at his heart, right? He didn't need someone to coach him to already be at that location. He knew that's where the play was going to be. He couldn't translate that. Well, guess what? Your superstar can't tell the new person how it is they generate business. They'd rather be out generating new business. Right. So let them do that, right? But those people who struggle and, you know, without going into your organization, whoever's listening to this, I will bet you that if you have a standard origination process where you expect LOs to generate their business, the median successful loan officer does no more than five loans a month. It's been the case for the 30 years plus I've been in this business. We don't change that because we, we give up on management processes because our superstars rail against it. And, you know, those processes require time. At the heart of all these sales management processes, something like make the plan, work the plan, review the plan, revise the plan, and repeat. If you don't do that, you don't know how to improve Joe's performance. You know, that's what managers need. That's what the employee needs. Ideally, you do it in a format similar to management by objective, where the originator is co-creating the plan so they have ownership but that's how you do it that's how you that house that's how joe can become a subject matter expert how joe can be the one who adds value and value can be all over the board uh, back when i was selling and i told you i didn't know how to work in hp12c well now, of course, I have the app on my phone because I can't use a regular calculator. But I was known within Southeastern Michigan as the guy who could make money with his HP. Five years after I moved to D.C. to work with Fannie Mae, I had people calling me going, Rob, I, I screwed up. I got the decimal where the comma is supposed to be and the comma is where the decimal is supposed to be. And if you ever actually use the 12C, you understand that was a problem. Yeah. But the point was, I had established myself as a subject matter expert of how to make money with a calculator. So what is your thoughts on, again, let's look at the superstars. Again, many organizations say that they want to have superstars, but they're not culturally set up for it. So you've got to look at where they're the superstar and what they do that nobody else in the organization does. Mm -hmm. Look, if I've got a superstar who can go out and originate loans and can find transactions where no one else can, guess what? I've got hundreds of people in my group who can do customer service questions. I only got one who can go out and make it rain. So they're a prima donna 
but they're they're generating the money. It's worthy of doing that. I looked at a regional sales leadership uh, opportunity for a bank that used to be a mortgage leader in the market, had left the mortgage market mm -hmm. for 20 years, had had been acquired by an outside the region bank, and they wanted to come back in. Here's what they wanted their regional manager to do. Create a new team that within a year would serve 10 different branches with seven different loan officers, all of whom would be producing a million dollars a month. And that manager was expected to produce $2 million a month. There is not enough time in the day to do that because at the same time, that manager also has to do all his compliance training and has to do all the management work and has to help with the relationship building. And oh yeah, by the way, seven loan officers isn't seven loan officers in a year. It's at least 10 in order to be able to, to figure out who's doing that, right? But there was this expectation of, well, this unicorn exists and we will build the whole process around this unicorn. Instead of flipping it and saying, I can get a great force multiplier who can actually get that team to get to the right production levels. That to me is the right model. But again, does the organization support that? Well, we yeah. covered Rob a lot today. And if you would, you know, share a couple of takeaways for your listeners about what you think works when you're managing different levels of originators. Yeah, I think two things. Number one, constantly be evaluating your teams and, and understand your top tier deserves unique solutions. Your middle tier is the place where you should invest in sales management and sales management processes. And your bottom tier, once you've, you've factored in for people who are new, need to be the group that you need to replace. You need to constantly be recruiting. And then the final component again, is just this idea of realizing everybody in your organization from the first person you open the door to the first, last person who closes it at night truly brings value and should be treated that way. Well, Rob, they're great words to end on. And I certainly want to thank you for sharing your thoughts today. And I certainly want our, our listeners to subscribe where you listen to your podcast and rate today's episode. Uh, also, can you can go to patsherlock.com for our sales services and sign up for our free weekly sales blog. Thanks so much, Rob. It's my pleasure.